Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would. Uh, we're going to go to Judges chapter 9, then we're going to swing back to Judges chapter number 6. Judges chapter number 9 and Judges. Judges. Did my Georgia come out there? Oh. Lived out in Georgia for 15 years, and I had people out there making fun of my accent. Because I, I wasn't ta- I was talking like them, or I, I don't know. Uh, Judges chapter number 8, I'm sorry. Judges chapter number 8. Should just be a page back. But you know, I spent the last uh, three sermons preaching on Daniel. And uh, in reading Daniel, you know, he purposed in his heart in chapter number one, he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. You know, we talked about that. And we talked about how setting, setting his heart early on and, and staying, he had the character to stay with it. And uh, we, we like to see heroes like that. I had somebody ask me one time, I said, well, you show me, you know, you get up there and you preach about Paul, a great man of faith, but, you know, I'm no Paul. You know, there's a lot of us that aren't Paul. There's a lot of us that aren't Peter or John or Daniel. We're not a Daniel. You know, some people get up, they fall down. Some people get up and they just keep going. And, uh, you know, he's the God of everyone. And I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for God's grace and for his mercy. We get up, we fall down, he'll pick us back up, he'll dust us off, and he'll help us out. We get a little prideful, he'll knock us down. And sometimes we've got to dust ourselves a little bit and go back to him. But uh, here in Judges chapter number 8, I just want to read a piece to you, and I I think the name of my message, and I say I think because the Lord kind of changed it up on me a little bit, but it's going to be from fear to faith. I'd like to talk about that a little bit this morning. Over in Judges chapter number 8, verse number 22, we're going to look into the future a little bit, and then we're going to do a flashback. In Judges chapter 8, verse number 22 says, Then the men of Israel said unto Gideon, Rule thou over us, both thou and thy son and thy son's son also, for thou hast delivered us from the hand of Midian. And Gideon said unto them, I will not rule over you, neither shall my son rule over you. The Lord shall rule over you. Let's pray. Amen. So over here in Judges chapter number 8, we see a victorious Gideon. Now, some of you have been reading your Bible for years, and you say, well, I think I know where you're going, Brother Keith. Well, just ride with me on this. Because Gideon here in chapter 23, they said, rule thou over us. They wanted to make him a king. The Israelites looked at him, and they said, man, you, got, you delivered us from the Midianites, and we want to make you king. But not only that, we want your sons to rule. We, we want to be under your family. We want to be under your guidance. Now, To get a little context, to get where we are in the Bible here, over in the book of Judges, it's a time when they came into the promised land and God was ruling over them. But see, the problem is when God's ruling over man, a lot of times man gets a little hard-headed, gets a little rebellious. 
See, they didn't quite clean everyone out of the promised land that wasn't supposed to be there. They didn't quite do what they were supposed to do. They stopped a little short. And, you know, we do that in our own lives. We're supposed to clear things out. We're supposed to get things out of the way. But you know what we do? We put it all in a U-Haul in a box. Oh, glory to God, we got a box full of stuff in the garage. It just haunts us. And you, people do that with their, with their emotional baggage. People do that with their sins. Just kind of like Lot over there, you know, when he gets rescued from the city. I love this. When he gets out there and the angel says, flee to the mountains. And he said, well, and the city didn't work out so good for him. But he looks around at the plane and he said, well, how about over here? It's just a little city. Is it not just a little sin? Oh, I see that so much in my head as somebody just hanging on to that little bit of sin. But over here in the book of Judges, they, they would get away from God and God would use the, the enemies around them to judge them. And look over at uh, Judges chapter number six, and that's where we are. Verse number one, it says, And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, and the Lord delivered them into the hand of Midian seven years. See, God promised them a blessing and a curse. And when they got away from God, then he would send another nation to judge them. He would send another nation to wreck them, to, to discomfort them, so that they would turn back to, toward him. You know, in our own lives, you get away from God, God will send things. He'll allow things to affect you. He'll allow things to pressure you. He'll allow things to push on you so that you'll cry out and say, Lord, this, this isn't going so good on my own. And I want it, Lord, you cry out to God. And we see that over and over here in Judges. And then God would send a judge to deliver them. Verse number two, and the hand of Midian prevailed against Israel. And because of the Midianites, the children of Israel made them dens, which are in the mountains and caves and strongholds. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth till I come unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel, neither sheep nor ass. Nor ass. Now, the, the picture that we have, I mean, the Bible makes it clear, but you, you picture them getting out and they go and they plant their fields in the heat of the sun and they plant the seed. They go out there and they carry water to it or they do whatever they need to and they pull the weeds and they begin to watch that crop grow and that crop is their food. That's what they're going to eat and they take care of those tender young plants and they're taking care of them. But something else has been going on too because the Israelites have been turning toward other gods. They've kind of started to worship the god Baal. And they've kind of turned away from God. God said, you know what? If you don't want me, you don't need this either. And as they watch, I know it sounds mean, but as they watch those plants grow up and then they began to, you could just see the ears of corn on there. You could just see the wheat begin to form and you could see it out there in the fields. And man, it's a glorious sight for a farmer because bringing that in, that means he's going to be taken care of and his family's going to be taken care of. It's kind of like us when we go to work and the check takes care of us. And that's their sustenance. And then they look out there and hear the Bible says in verse number five, that, uh, verse number four, and they encamped against them and destroyed the, well, let's see, verse number three. And so it was when Israel had sown that the Midianites came up and the Amalekites and the children of the east, even they came up against them. And they encamped against them and destroyed the increase of the earth until thou comest unto Gaza and left no sustenance for Israel. 
neither sheep nor ox nor ass. For they came up with their cattle and their tents, and they came as grasshoppers for multitude. For both they and their camels were without number, and they entered into the land to destroy it. And Israel was greatly impoverished because of the Midianites. And then look what happens. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. So they plant their crops and then they look out. And this has been going on for seven years. And you imagine the first time that it happened, they look out there and all these Midianites and Amalekites and all this group of people come like grasshoppers just coming. And they get out there and they kick down the plants. They don't even take them. They just destroy everything. They walk their cattle across it. They smash it. They take it down. They destroy the increase of their field, all the hard work of their hands. And all they can do is watch because they're outnumbered. And eventually, by the end of the seven years, they're just dwelling in caves. I'm just painting the picture for you because when we get to Gideon, I want you to understand he suffered a lot of beatdown before we get to this point. I think a lot of preachers are hard on Gideon. I don't know. You can have your own opinion when we're done with this. But I think a lot of preachers are hard on Gideon. I think Gideon's seen a lot of suffering, and he knows they're God's people. I think Gideon looks back, and we're going to see that. Gideon looks back, and he hears the old-timers, and they talk about coming through the wilderness, and they talk about being at the Red Sea, what their parents told them about the miracles that God worked for the Israelites, about the manna that was out every morning. Oh, they used to gather the manna every morning. And I think Gideon heard all those stories, but to him at that time, They were just stories because all he was seeing for the last seven years was everything destroyed. And so they cry out. The Bible says in verse number six, and the children of Israel cried unto the Lord. Verse number seven, and it came to pass when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord because of the Midianites, the Lord sent a prophet unto the children of Israel, which said unto them, thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought you up from Egypt and brought you forth out of the house of bondage. And I delivered you out of the hand of the Egyptians and out of the hand of all that oppressed you and drave them out from before you and gave you their land. And I said unto you, I am the Lord your God. Fear not the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell, but you have not obeyed my voice. They cry out to God and God sends a prophet. This is why this is happening. You've turned after other gods. You want to see a sad verse over in Judges chapter number one? Y'all are just going to have to ride with me on the roller coaster this morning. Judges chapter number two, verse number seven. After they come out of the wilderness and Joshua is with them, verse number seven, it says, And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders did outlive Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord that he did for Israel. Verse number ten. And also all that generation were gathered unto their fathers, and there arose another generation after them which knew not the Lord, nor yet the works which he had done for Israel. In one generation, the people that had followed the Lord and been given the promised land, and one generation went from following the Lord to turning after other gods. They'd forgotten all the works that God had done for them. And then in verse number 16, Well, verse 15, whithersoever they went out, the hand of the Lord was against them for evil, and as the Lord had said, and as the Lord had sworn unto them, and they were greatly distressed. Neither the Lord raised up judges. Nevertheless, the Lord raised up judges, which delivered them out of the hand of those that spoiled them. 
And yet they would not hearken unto their judges, but they went a whoring after other gods and bowed themselves unto them. They turned quickly out of the way which their fathers walked in, obeying not in obeying the commandments of the Lord, but they did not so. So there's where we are there. And in the next scene, God is about to bring up a judge. He's about to call a man to stand before him. He's about to call a man to conquer the Midianites, to give the Israelites some relief. And when he sees this man that's going to deliver them, he sees this man who in the future, everyone says, make us a king or be be our king and your sons can rule over us too because you delivered us from the Midianites. And verse number 11 of chapter number 6 says, And there came an angel of the Lord Lord, and sat under the oak which was in Orpha that pertained unto Joash, the Abazirah, Abazirah, (laughs) I'm sorry, and his son Gideon threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. He's hiding from the Midianites, threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, The Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. It makes sense. We saw everyone turning to him and saying, Be our king, you defeated the Midianites. Verse 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our fathers told us of, saying, Did not the Lord bring us up from Egypt? But now the Lord hath forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. I think that's a loaded statement. Because you know the story of Gideon before I even get to it. You know that Gideon wanted to make sure that he was talking to the Lord and he he brought a sacrifice. He, He set it out before him and the Lord consumed it with fire. Then he knew that he was talking to the Lord. We know also before Gideon goes to the battle, he lays out the fleece. You know the story of the fleece. Wet on one side, wet, wet on the ground, dry on the top of the fleece, and then do it the other way, dry. And, and Gideon, whose doubts and fears, and I've heard preachers say, well, that's, he's lacking faith, and lacking faith is whatsoever is fear is sin. It's a sin, a lack of faith. But I think, I, I'm going to bring it to the point where I think God just works with us where we are. I don't think you have to conform to a certain thing in order to be in God's grace. I don't think you have to meet a certain certain place in your life. You don't have to achieve something in order. It's all done by Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He made the payment because he knew that we couldn't. You know, in Sunday school this morning, we talked about it. And you say, well, you're rambling a little bit. Y'all just ride with me on this roller coaster. In Sunday school this morning, we talked about the law and we talked about the keeping of the law. And we talked about when Jesus came, he began to point out that the law was from the heart. It was meant to direct your heart. It was meant to show you God's mercy. It was meant to show you things. The the, the year of the Jubilee, when people were released, the the sanctuary cities where someone could dwell safely and, and there was mercy in the law. There was also judgment. There was also justice in the law. And then over in Galatians, it said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. But we see God's mercy. God came down. He made the way for us. So I think God works with us where we are. Doesn't mean that we ought to stay where we are. Because Gideon had to do some things too. But Gideon has been living for seven years. He hadn't seen the miracles of God. It's all stories to him. I think about America today. I think about a lot of people out there. I've seen 
in forums. I've I've heard people, I've talked to people, I, and you know they they say it's just a fairy tale. That all this Bible and stuff is just a fairy tale. You get to the Book of Jonah, don't want to believe. Get to the Book of Genesis, don't want to believe it. And why is that? Because that's the stories that their fathers tell, but they haven't experienced any of that. You know, when you meet someone who is saved, when you meet someone who knows what kind of life they were living before they said, yes, Lord Jesus, please save me. I know I'm a sinner. I know that I can do nothing. I know that you did everything. When you... When you've met someone who has turned their life over to Christ and said, not me anymore, but you, Lord. And they have a testimony of the change that took place in their life. They can't explain it, but they're, they're living out the miracle that God lives out today. But somebody that has to see those miracles in order to believe in God, he's not going to bring it to them. Hey, you follow me on that? I know it's a little bit of a side rail. It's going to be like that this morning. Verse 13, And Gideon said unto him, O my Lord, if the Lord be with us, then why is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles which our father told us of, saying? And he talks about the miracles. And why is all this befallen us? And people wonder that. If God's so good, if he's such a loving God, how does he allow all this to happen? Because you never turned to him in the first place. Or because you've turned away from him. I look, I'm not going to get political, but I think about the way this country was founded. And I think about how in 200 years this country came so far. I'm not trying to be 4th of July on you this morning, but the blessings that this country has received. And when you find out that a lot of them at the Constitutional Convention were preachers themselves. They believed in the word of God. They lived the word of God. When you find that out and you begin and you begin to look at battles that took place between ships, it just battles that small numbers of men conquered, you know, ran the British off. When you think about how this country not only split off from Britain, but surpassed and ended up being a deliverer for the Europe, saving them from Nazi Germany. You see God's blessing and, and hand on this country, but you see so many people turn away from it. And they say, I just don't believe that a God, uh, a loving God. Well, how about what an evil man will do? There are so many wicked things that a man will do. There's so many wicked things that a man will come up. Y'all follow me on this? Y'all may wish he didn't. There's so many things that man can devise in his own heart, but then they blame God for it. And here, Gideon didn't quite understand. He said, why has all this befallen us? Because you don't understand that your fathers left me and they began worshiping other gods. And you see over here in the, in the next chapter that his own father had altars built to Baal. That the men of the city were so mad when he obeyed God and tore down those altars that they were more mad at Gideon than about realizing that they were supposed to be turning toward the God of heaven. Verse 14, and the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might, and thou shalt, give Israel, thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? 
in our own lives, there's things that we have to face and things that we have to do. You know, preaching on Daniel in the lion's den and, and facing that lion's den, and I've, I've gone through a couple things this week, but, you know, I, I've talked about Harlan Popov facing the prison. It's like, man, how do you do that? And he says, the Lord tells him, looked on him and said, Go in this thy might, and thou shalt save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? And he said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. I'm the youngest. I'm not even the oldest in my father's house, and we're poor. All these other people are way more qualified than me, Lord. There's old what's-his-name over there. He's got the big house. He's got all the horses. He's got all the servants. He could do more for you. And the Lord said in verse 16 unto him, Surely I will be with thee, and thou shalt smite the Midianites as one man. So not only is he going to take them down, but he's going to take them down as one man. And we know the story of the battle, and we're going to be looking at that next week, about how God winnows down that army of 32,000 men down to 300. We know about the victory that Gideon got through the Lord. But I just want to look at Gideon today because he's in a fearful spot. He's overwhelmed. I mean, every time when he came out of the cave and he saw the Amalekites and all those over the, over the plain, he saw them coming and just a, a bunch of dust. And here the Lord's telling him, you're going to smite them as one man. You're going to defeat them. Imagine how overwhelming that looks. You want a little practical application? Day to day, when you're facing problems, they're pretty overwhelming sometimes. You have no idea how they're going to be fixed. You know, sometimes we're praying and we'll say, well, Lord, Lord, if you could just send this or that, if you could just, maybe, maybe you could move on this person or that person. Maybe you can make it happen in this way, Lord. I, I've grown old enough where I just said, Lord, I just need you to take care of it. I don't care. how You, you do it how you want. And any way that you think of, he'll do it a different way just to let you know that it's him. He says, you'll smite them as one man. But Gideon's in a fearful spot. So verse 17, he said unto him, if now I have found grace in thy sight, then show me a sign that thou talkest with me. We would like a sign. He said, depart not hence, I pray thee, until I come unto thee and bring forth my present and set it before thee. And he said, I will tarry until thou come again. And Gideon went in and made ready a kid and unleavened cakes and an ephah of flour for the flesh. He put in a basket and he put the broth in a pot and brought it unto him under the oak and presented it. And the angel of God said unto him, take the flesh and the unleavened cakes and lay them upon this rock and pour out the broth. And so he did so. Then the angel of the Lord put forth the end of the staff that was in his hand and touched the flesh and the unleavened cakes. And there arose up a fire out of the rock and consumed the flesh and the unleavened cakes. Then the angel of the Lord departed out of his sight. Gideon needed some reassurance. Gideon needed to know that he was talking to God. Gideon needed to know that the word he was getting was from God. You know, we have a more sure word of prophecy right here than seeing God light up our offerings on a rock. We have God's word that we hold in our hands. And a lot of times when we're facing those problems, we neglect God's word. We neglect the praying that he's given to us. 
I thought about this. I was thinking about this because it's like you want to give a practical application, right? And Gideon, Gideon gets reassured by putting out the signs. But you know, the Bible tells us that Jews require a sign. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we have God. We have the Holy Spirit in our heart. And you start laying out your fleece. You start laying out your offering on the rock and saying, I got an example this morning. A girl that's praying or get by marrying a fella. And she sends out a card and says, well, if he responds to this card within two weeks, then I'll know it's your will, Lord. I think the devil will get in there and get a hold of the postal service. It might be the worst guy you could ever marry, but he'll, he'll make sure that letter gets there on time. I, I think you're, in other words, I think you're asking for trouble if you had to see signs. But, you know, God does send those handfuls of purpose. God does send those little moments of reassurance. And there's something you can't explain to anybody else. Look over in, uh, if I can find it again, John chapter number. That's the part I got to find. But it was Nathaniel. When he was told about Jesus, I think it was coming from Galilee. There you go. Yes, ma'am. John, John, what? Okay. Thank you. Verse 45, Philip findeth Nathanael and saith unto him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and the prophets did write, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Thank you, Miss Johnny. And Nathanael said unto him, Can there be any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael. So Nathanael has some doubts. He said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Those are some skeezy people. I'm adding that. But he said, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And uh, he said, come and see. And verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. In other words, he speaks his mind. And Nathanael saith unto him, whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. You know, God deals with us all in our own moments. And God shows us things, those handfuls of purpose. And that response, we have no idea what was going on under the fig tree. We don't know what Nathaniel was thinking. But when Jesus spoke to him, said, Nathaniel answered and saith unto him, Rabbi, thou art the son of God. Thou art the king of Israel. Now that's quite a statement. And you know, Thomas, he doubted. He said, except I place my hand in. Jesus said, Jesus showed up and told him, put your hand in the thorn, in the wounds. And he said, my Lord, my God. And verse 50, Jesus answered and said unto him, because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. And he saith unto him, verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God descending, ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So God comes to us all He speaks to our hearts in different ways. 
So when I was looking for an application, I said, over here in Gideon, how do you apply that? Because you don't want to tell everybody, look for signs. You don't want to tell them, throw a fleece on the ground. You don't want, God, answer it this way. And if you answer it this way, then I'll know. No, God's been speaking to your heart. Somebody that's ready to be saved, somebody who's ready to turn their life over to Christ, God has been using people. There have been people that have gotten saved and said, man, it must be everybody in the world that wants to witness to me about Jesus Christ. They came to my door, they showed up on the sidewalk, they showed up, and God's been speaking to them. And God speaks to us all in our heart. And Gideon was at a spot where he just needed a little bit of mercy from God. He just needed a little bit of encouragement because he had his doubts. He hadn't seen God work. He didn't see any reason for God to work. And he shows him this. There's something else here. Not only does God give him assurance in that, and Gideon's got to put aside those fears of the past, but God gives him a little commandment, gives him, gives him a piece of obedience. You need to be obedient in this. He said, and it came to pass, verse 25, the same night that the Lord said unto him, take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father had, and cut down the grove that is by it. So his, his father had a, an altar to Baal, and he had a grove of trees. Verse 26, And to build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place. So he's to tear down his altars, and he's to build up an altar to God. And you know, if you want to get right with God, you're going to have to tear down some altars in your own life. Some things that you've been putting before God, some things that you've been sacrificing on. There's going to have to be some obedience before God can use him. He's going to have to get this other stuff out of the way. He's going to have to clean the baggage out of the garage. Get those boxes out of there. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the word with the wood of the grove that thou shalt cut down. Then Gideon took ten men of his servants, now follow me on this, and did as the Lord had said unto him, and so it was. This next part. Because he feared his father's household and the men of the city, that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. Now fear, fear will paralyze you. Oh, I've gotten up here and talked about it before. I remember. Now this is personal. So don't tell anybody else, even though we're online. But, you know, when I tried sales for a little while and they would get the leads and I, I was desperate for a job. So I, I went there to work on water systems, but the guy talked me into selling. Well, I, I sold nothing. But uh, I'd get the leads. I'd go to the door and knock on them. These were people that said they'd have somebody over there. Because I did water treatment. I thought, you know, I could do this. But it's door to door, and you know how much we hate door salesmen. And I knew how much people hated it. And by the time we got to the end of trying to sell someone a water system, and I found out you can do a lot more with $9.95 an hour than you can $2,500 potential income. But by the time I got to the end of that, I could hardly look anyone in the eye. You just get so afraid to even approach anyone about something like that. Sales, I'm done with it. That's over. It's a past. But that fear builds up. And there's, if, you know, people, 
there, there's people that are afraid to go outside, and you know, people are like, oh, what's so hard about that? I don't know. But there's something in their mind. There's a fear that's built up. And here Gideon, Gideon is working out all kinds of scenarios in his head. He says, man, I go out there in the daytime, and they see me, they are going to kill me. They're going to do me like they did that other man that disappeared. I don't know what's going through his head. But he looks out there and he says, but the Lord told me I got to take care of this. He had to be obedient. For God to work in your life, you're going to have to be obedient to the thing that God gives you to do. It's not going to be necessarily on paper. I don't know how it comes. I said God deals with us all in different ways. I just did not know how to give you a formula for saying this is God's will. God speaks to you through his word. God speaks through you, to you through prayer. God will speak to you through circumstances, but be careful what you're looking for. Because if you look too hard for a sign, the devil will send you one. I'll always say that. Sometimes you're praying and God will send someone your way. Y'all be praying a couple weeks, I'm telling you. So Gideon, in spite of his fear... He said, well, if I do it in the daytime, they'll see me. I go out there when they're asleep because I want to do what the Lord told me to do. I want to take care of this. So it says he goes out there by night, that he could not do it by day, and he did it by night. And then it talks about the men of the city waking up and going to his father. Who cut this down? And uh, when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down and the grove was cut down that was by it. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. And they said one to another, who had done this thing? And when they inquired and asked, they said, Gideon, the son of Joash, hath done this thing. Then the men of the city said unto Joash, Bring out thy son that he may die, because he hath cast down the altar of Baal, and because he hath cut down the grove that was by it. And then Joash said unto all that stood against him, Will you plead for Baal? You remember, we got the promised land because of God. And we slid off track. We've been worshiping Baal. But here God's about to do something. Are you going to plead for Baal? When we know what all God did for us. You know, when your sin's in private, when it's just you and nobody else, it don't mean quite a lot. But when you realize God's against it, when you realize that God's, that God's moving on your heart about it, it becomes a bigger deal. He said, will you plead for Bell? Will you save him? He that will plead for him, let him be put to death while it's yet morning. If he be a God, let him plead for himself, because one hath cast down his altar. If Baal's so mad about it, let him do something about it. Therefore on that day he, call, he called him Jeroboam, saying, Let Baal plead against him, because he hath thrown down his altar. And then all the Midianites and the Amalekites and the children of the east were gathered together and went over and pitched in the valley of Jezreel. See, after obedience... And you wonder why, you know, why doesn't God work in my life? Why God, why, why isn't God helping out here? Have you gotten past the obedience part? Whatever he told you to take care of. Because Gideon got over it, and it says in verse number 34, But the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew a trumpet, and Abiezer was gathered after him. And he sent messengers. It said the Spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon, and he blew the trumpet. So he goes from hiding behind the wine press and threshing wheat. Now God is in it. 
and God is in him, empowering him to do what needs to be done. But there's one last fear that Gideon has, and God knows. God knows his heart. There's been a few times I myself have prayed. I, I'm sure it hadn't happened to y'all. Lord, I want to do right, but I need your help. And y'all are saying, well, what's the preacher doing wrong? That's, you're doing your own thing wrong. God, I want to follow you. I want to be a good preacher. I want to be a good pastor. Lord, I need your help. In your own life, you may want to be a good mother. You may want to be a good father. You may want to be a good aunt or uncle, but you need God's help. You got to be obedient to the first thing he shows you. But the spirit of the Lord came upon Gideon and he blew a trumpet. Verse 35, and he sent messengers throughout all Manasseh, who also was gathered after him. And he sent messengers unto Asher and unto Zebulun and unto Naphtali. And they came up to meet them. And Gideon said unto God, If thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. And then he lays out the fleece. We'll read through it. Behold, I will put a fleece of wool in the floor. And if the dew be on the fleece only, and it be dry upon all the earth beside, then shall I know that thou wilt save Israel by mine hand, as thou hast said. Now, Gideon was pretty confident about that. This is where I read between the lines. I think Gideon laid out that fleece, and he said, okay, if the fleece is dry, what is it? Is it if the fleece, and if the dew be on the fleece only, he laid out the fleece, and if that fleece is wet, then I'll know that it's God's will, and all that floor is dry, then I'll know. And he goes to sleep, and he said, if that's the case, I'll know. He gets up in the morning, and he walks out there, Verse 38, and it was so, for he rose up early on the morrow and thrust the fleece together and wringed the dew out of the fleece, a bowl full of water. And he says, man, and he can't hardly believe it. You know, it's the same for us in our own life. God will do something, and we see it happen. It's, Is God really in that, or did I just? And he, he says, Gideon said unto God, verse 39, let not thy anger be hot against me, and I will speak. But this once. This is where the preachers get on him. They say, you know, God's already tolerated, and you're going to bother him again. You know, Abraham, when he was asking after Lot, and God told him that he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's worried about Lot. He said, Lord, Lord, if there be 50 just persons in Lot, are you going to destroy it? And the Lord said, no, not for 50. Well, that's a pretty wicked city. Lord, Lord. Don't be mad at me. If there's 40, and he gets all the way for down to 10 because he's worried about his nephew Lot. He fits in the 10 category. And he said, no, I won't destroy it for 10. Well, there wasn't even 10, but Lot was saved out of it. So he says, let not thine anger be hot against me, and I will speak but this once. Let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece. Gideon remembers the size of those armies. He says, if God's not going to be in it, I don't want, I don't want to go. If I'm just making this up, I don't, I, I don't want to walk out there like a fool. God, I, I want you in it. We all, that's why we're, I've been talking about prayer for this church. We don't want to do anything without God in it. It's pretty overwhelming. But if God's in it, it's amazing what can happen. If, if we're if we're following God, if we've been obedient and we're, we're crying out, Lord, 
Lead us as a church. Lead us. We want to be able to reach people. We want to be able to touch people. And here, what do we have to attract? It's not, you know, you don't have a, I'm not going to say it. You know where I'm going. You've been here long enough. But if God's in it, and God moves on people's hearts, and God speaks to people, and God wants to see people saved, and that's our desire, and those desires meet, we'll see people saved. We'll see people come to the Lord. We'll see people turn their life over to Christ. Not just for a day, not just for a moment, not just for an emotional appeal, but we'll begin to see them grow and walk in the Lord. Gideon looks out, he knows about the Midianites, and he's seen that crowd, and he says, man, if God, he said, a wet fleece. This is what I'm about to drag all these men out. I got to know, Lord, this could have happened. Somebody could have spilled something. Lord, please don't be mad at me. But just this one thing to prove you. And he doesn't ask anything after that. And Gideon said unto God, let not thine anger be hot against me. Verse 39, let me prove, I pray thee, but this once with the fleece, let it now be dry only upon the fleece and upon all the ground. Let there be dew. And God said, did so that night, for it was dry upon the fleece only, and there was dew on all the ground. And when you look in chapter number 7, you see that he goes out and fights him, and we're going to look at that next week. God got in it. And Gideon, you don't see Gideon questioning God. You see him just obeying God's word after that. When God tells him to do something, he does it. Gideon moved from that point of being fearful. He moved from that point of the past haunting him. Of every time that they planted wheat, they didn't get to harvest it because it all got destroyed. And he... He was fearful. He was down there behind the wine press and he's threshing the wheat and he's shaking it out, letting the chaff roll off. Normally you'd do that up on a hillside. You'd shake it and that chaff would just float off in the air and float out and leave the wheat kernels down. He couldn't do that because if he did that, the Midianites might see him and come and take it all from him and destroy it. And he needed bread to eat, to live. But he put all that aside. And he said, Lord, he just needed some reassurance. Is it sinful? It's sinful to, I think we can get carried away. I think we can prove yourself to me, Lord. God doesn't have to prove anything. You want to see proof? Look over at Israel. It still exists. The Jewish people still exist. Look at their history. I'm just throwing this out for free. You need something to look at? Look at his people, Israel. Look at how they've survived 2,000 years. They've been divided off into other countries. They've been divided off into Russia. There's, there's Jewish Russians. There's Jewish Polish. There's, there's Jews in America. But somehow, in 1948, it didn't all happen at once. There was a series of events. But somehow, God's people came back to the land of Israel. They're a state. They're a major world player. And when you look on the map and you see, you see that little beam and you see the Arab states, and it's like, man, how in the world do they get land every time they get attacked on four fronts? How in the world do they gain more land? 
That's all for free if you need something to look at. But it's by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. If you'll stand.